I didn't have my first real job mm. until I was about 29. And I defined by real by one that lasted for more than a year, mm. you know, 29 years old. And I hadn't really stuck to anything because I always had that entrepreneurial drive. Yeah. Well, hey, 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 what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Rock Your Brand podcast. I'm your host, Scott Boker, a serial entrepreneur on a mission to help you. This show is designed to teach you, to inspire you, to motivate you, to take massive action and build a future-proof business. So whether you're just starting out or taking your existing business to the next level, this is your home. Now, if you're ready, I'm ready. Let's rock your brand. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rock Your Brand Podcast. This is episode 888, and I am super excited you're here because I've got another great featured guest, and this one here is a little bit different because the guy that I had come on here for this uh, this interview, he's been on the show before a few times, and you guys know probably who he is, and you know him as the guy that also helps people buy and sell their own websites, their brands, and uh, that guy is Joe Valley from Quiet Light, and uh, I wanted to get him on to not necessarily talk about that. I wanted to know about Joe. I wanted to know, Joe, how the heck did you get to where you are today to where he just said, literally, their company is going to be selling a business for $20 million. That's right, $20 million but they still do sell websites and brands that they might only be 30 to $60,000. So it's all over the map. But the crazy thing is, is his story is just really, really cool. And it actually, it makes me think of myself a lot as when I was a kid, when he started and I'm going to have him tell his story, which he will. And he gives you all of these really great details about his, his childhood, but then all the way up to where he was doing these other things and thought that that was going to be his big ticket. And, uh, and also how he got burnt on one of his, uh, one of his purchases of a website that he bought before he actually started doing it himself. It was like $265,000, and then as soon as he bought it, the thing, uh, well, Google slapped it, and he lost all of his traffic. Uh, he's got a common theme, and that is usually when he makes some type of mistake or something doesn't work, it generally costs him about $250,000, and you're going to hear all of the ins and outs of these stories, but uh, I'm calling this story time with Joe Valley because uh, he's got a lot of great stories. He remembers people's names like crazy. Um, I think you're going to really enjoy this, and I just really want you to understand that uh, everyone that's out there being an entrepreneur, going out there, finding their way is going to have ups and downs, but every single thing, every single thing we do prepares us for the next thing, and we learn a ton. All right, guys, so sit back, relax, enjoy this interview that I did with my good buddy, Joe Valley. All right, well, welcome back to the podcast, Joe Valley. What's up, my man? How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Scotty? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And uh, you and I were doing a little bit of talking here before we got on the air officially, but I wanted to get you on. I've had you on before and we talked to, you know, about how to set up your business to get it to be sold and, you know, how to acquire and all of that stuff. And, and, you know, we can still talk about that stuff, but I said, you know, Joe, I, I haven't really had you on as a guest that just shares their story because you've been an entrepreneur for a while. You've got some 
pretty good stories. And uh, I'd like to kind of go back in time a little bit and talk about Joe and kind of how you got to where you are. How did you even get to the place where you are right now within Quiet Light? Like all of that stuff. Like I don't think we've ever highlighted any of that stuff. So I think this is just an opportunity for you and I to catch up and uh, and maybe dig a little bit deeper into your story, even the book that you're writing right now and all of that stuff and how that transpired. So anyway. Yeah, man, I'd love anything you want to know, we could talk about. I don't know if you want to go as far back as the worm farm that I had when I was nine years old, you know, growing <laughs> up on Central Street in Maine. Actually, that was fun stuff. That, you know, let's, if we could all be entrepreneurs where all we had to do was wait until it's dark, go outside with a flashlight, grab that night crawler, put it in yeah. a bag of dirt and put a sign out on the tree out front. That would be ideal. Wouldn't no, it? so, the, I mean, that's a, that's a real story. You oh, did. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so who, who encouraged you to do that? Gosh, you know, I think I did it myself. I don't know did if you? my, yeah, you, you know, everybody knows the, the, the millionaire next door, right? So mm -hmm. my dad is the classic employee, right? He worked for the state of Maine as did my mother, but their best friend uh, the McCurdy's, uh, they, Stan was a owner, owner, Stan, Stan and Sandra were owners in a, in a very large, uh, company in town and they okay. used to play Chinese checkers all the time. And I remember <laughs> by the time I got to be a teenager, I'd, I, I ended up working for Stan part-time and, uh, as a kid and one, one Saturday night they were playing Chinese checkers and I was complaining about not having enough money, not having enough, you know, extra spare cash in the bank account. And yeah. he basically told me to man up, suck it up. There's plenty of work to do. Just ask Kenny, who was my direct boss there okay. for more work. There's so much you can do. Just do more, just put in more time. Okay. And that's exactly what I did. And it was a lesson I've learned throughout my whole life or applied throughout my whole life. Um, and it's funny because I live in North Carolina now, as you know, and I haven't mm -hmm. or hadn't seen, seen Stan for at least a decade. And I saw them, mm a couple of summers ago and I conveyed how important that message was and um, how it's sort of propelled me into just working very hard at whatever I do and kind of just, I don't like the term hustler, but mm. hustle or work hard and put in more or just take action as a friend of mine mm -hmm. says all the time, of course, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> While like, Look, I, uh, I went to college at Northeastern University in Boston. I, I um, was working through the co-op program there, which is you go to school, you go to school the first full year. And then for the next four, you work three months, you go to school three months, you work three months, you go to school three months. More than anything else, I learned what I didn't want to do, which was mm. put on a suit and tie and carry a briefcase, briefcase to the, downtown Boston. Mm. Um, but I became really, really further interested in the entrepreneurial world. Mm -hmm. um, we all know, uh, well, Grubhub, right? So mm -hmm. uh, back in the day, there was a company in Boston called Dining In. And uh, I was working in one of my entrepreneurial ventures at a restaurant. Crazy. I go to college to become a, get a degree in finance. And I take a co-op job at a restaurant called Cajun Joe's Fried Chicken and Biscuits. Nice. And, uh, in uh, on Alston Road in Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm working there and in comes a guy in jeans and a polo shirt, a beat up leather jacket, beat up briefcase. And he pitches us on being the delivery service for our little fried chicken restaurant. Mm. He left, his name was Michael Hackle. He left and I turned around to Dick and I said to the guy that owned the business, I'm like, 
I want to do that. He goes, I'll back you. So I came up with a thousand. He came up with a thousand. We cleaned out the basement of another location, set up a phone. I created flyers, handed them around the Northeastern campus, signed up five or six cheap restaurants like pizza places. And I was in business in September of, you know, late, late, late eighties. And uh, I worked seven nights a week delivering food for restaurants. I, it's, this is how long ago it was. They would call in the order. I would handwrite it out. I would fax the order to the restaurant. Then my driver would go pick it up and deliver it. Um, And I did it for about four months, seven nights a week from four to midnight while full time in school. Oh my gosh. And Christmas break came and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this, this is not the lifestyle I want to live. So what I've really Mm -hmm. learned there was, I mean, I, I guess I failed, right? I it was profitable, but I still had three years of school left. There's no way I was going to continue this. But I learned I did not want to work nights and weekends mm. because I wanted to have a family someday and it's not the lifestyle I wanted to live. Right. So I actually closed shop and then went to work for Michael Hackle Dining In. And we've, we all know Grubhub now. Michael mm-hmm. eventually expanded from Boston to New York, Chicago and sold to Grubhub one day. Oh, wow. Um, but it's taught me to hustle and work hard, all those little bits and pieces and things. Um, but I kicked around a long time, Scott. I feel for the parents that have kids that are, um, haven't quite figured out what they're going to do yet. Mm. Uh, and, they're, and they're teenagers and they're not sure what they want to do in college or they're in their 20s and they're not yeah. sure what they're going to do for the rest of their life. And I always say, look, I, I, didn't, re- I didn't have my first real job mm. until I was about 29. And I defined by real by one that lasted for more than a year, mm. you know, 29 years old. And I hadn't really stuck to anything because I always had that entrepreneurial drive. Yeah. And I worked for a company in, uh, in Portland, Maine. And, uh, I interviewed for them on a Saturday and the person that interviewed me, this is, there's a theme here. Uh, she had sweatpants on. Uh, and I was like, I love this place. Go back to when I interviewed for fried uh, Cajun Joe's fried chicken and biscuits. And when I interviewed for that job, the guy that interviewed for me, uh, interviewed me said, so do you like beer? And I was like, I got to work for this guy. I got to work for her. Um, and uh, so I, I, I knew the, the, the dressing up and pretending to be something more than you yeah. are wasn't really for me. But I worked for that company in Maine, uh, Talk America. I was like employee number 34. And we went from... 17 million that first year, which was like 94. In 95, we did 34 million. And um, in 96, I think we did 105 million in revenue. So we went from me being employee number 34 to over a thousand people there. And it was it was incredible. It was awesome. It was wonderful. There were days, most of the early days, I couldn't imagine working anywhere else because mm. you come up with an idea, you implement it, you, you just drive revenue, drive revenue and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, and then later on, as we had a thousand people, I felt like a worker ant mm-hmm. and I couldn't imagine working there another day. Mm. And, and I learned again, you know, that that second full year when we did 34 million in revenue the owner of the company is privately owned company uh, rob and and by the way this is i know way too many people like rob rob uh 
did made this built this incredible company, but had no more than a high school education. Just wow. incredible success. Mm. Um, but he made something like five million, you know, net income in that thirty-four million dollar year. The next year, crazy growth, closer to one hundred five million, and he actually lost reportedly oh like three million dollars. Wow! And it and it made me realize, okay, I don't care about top line revenue. Mm-hmm. It's really how much you keep. And those days when we had, you know, a couple hundred people, one fifth the size of when we mm. did, you know, a hundred plus million and a thousand people were better. And I was mm-hmm. happier and the team was more cohesive and whatnot. So I left that company for a very specific reason. And I'm pointing out a lot of my faults here. Um, how do I say this? I couldn't keep my mouth shut, Scott. Right? <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't happy and I expressed it. And mm. the person in the sweatpants that interviewed me um, that day, and I won't say her name, but we, were, we became good friends um, mm. early on. And then as the company grew, because she was an employee so early on, she was just appointed to grow in her role and in her role and in her role. And I, uh, I said more than once that she had been promoted to her uh, own level of incompetence, mm. which is not a very nice thing to say. Uh, and so uh, I kind of had to, I, I saw the writing on the wall and it was time for me to leave because if I hadn't left, I was going to be fired. But that term right there, promoting yourself or getting promoted to your own level of incompetence, I think is critically important for any entrepreneur to understand about themselves now. Mm. Like I know this about myself. I'm not great at managing staff. Um, I'm not great at detailed long-term planning. So I can't promote myself to, or, or, or the company that I'm with now, Mark and I, we can't, both of us are, are this way. We don't want to have a high level uh, of employees with an intricate uh, HR organization because we'd be promoting ourselves to our own level of incompetence. And I find that a lot of people think they start a company and they, they, they're going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg or Scott Volker or Ezra Firestone, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're going to, they've got to figure out when they have gotten to the point where it's not the fun ride anymore and it's not exciting anymore and they've got to move on to their next adventure. And, and, I, and I did that a few times. Um, you're not asking me any questions and I'm just flapping my jaw. I don't know. No, if, no, is, no. Is this how they always go? No, uh, this, this, this is really good. <laughs> I, I'm, I've got some questions, but I, but I want you to finish, you know, finish that, that thought. Cause I, I think it's important to paint the picture that everything <clears throat> that you were doing up to this point uh, kind of led you to that next thing. Right. It's kind of like you always kind of like build from the skill that you yeah. just did and you learned a, a ton. I think the one great thing that you outlined was, you created this little mini company, right? You thought it was going to be awesome delivering stuff. And then all yeah. of a sudden you did it. And you're like, Oh, wait a minute. That wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. Like there's yeah. more to this than I had thought. Yeah. Um, and the same thing goes for the company that you then started working for that grew to a thousand employees. You thought it one thing, but then as it grew, it changed. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and it changes or we change, right. And that wasn't your, your goal. And you know, for you to identify that and to say, okay, so now what's my next move? So 
that actually is my question for you. Like as that's happening, right? You're in that, how long were you at that company that grew to a thousand employees? Three years, three years. Okay, so I was there from January of 97 till maybe end of August, three and a half, I guess. Jan so you're January of there, 94 to 90, mid 97. You're there for three years. In your head when you first started there, did you think this is something you were going to be able to ride for a while? Oh yeah. I remember being in, in, in a meeting with uh, a bunch of us who had been promoted to our own level of incompetence with Rob and Rob stood at the top and he told us he was going to make us all millionaires, that mm -hmm. the goal so big and whatnot, you know, and do all these different things. And in hindsight, that's what Rob was doing is promoting himself to his own level of incompetence because right. he didn't have that skill set and, mm -hmm. and we all bought it. Um, and we all as entrepreneurs, I think the, the one thing we want to do, if we're just looking for that freedom, we're looking for that income, that cash flow, that control. And, uh, and, 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 and I began to lose that freedom and I became a worker ant. So when I left, I started a radio direct response media buying agency. It's like a PPC agency now, but I did it on radio because that's the, the last role that I had at the company. Um, but the key thing is for those that are listening that are not, that are in the corporate world, I still have a job. When I started my company, I, I did it during the day, but I worked 40 plus hours, nights and weekends. I went, I went from rising in, management at that mm -hmm. company, Talk America, where we took inbound sales calls and did direct response radio and television and things of that nature. I left and I went to work for another local offshoot as a sales rep nights mm -hmm. and weekends while building my radio direct response agency. And I, um, I was making $35,000 a year and my goal was just to replace my income. That's all mm -hmm. I wanted to do. And the beautiful thing is, Scott, that the freedom of, of self-employment and when you hit it just right, um, you, don't, you don't go from $35,000 a year and you get a, you know, a, a pay raise annually of 3 or 5%. Right. Right. I made 15 times that amount of money in my first mm -hmm. full calendar year. And it was a magical, magical thing. I remember, mm -hmm. you know. There was no overhead. It was me living in my two family apartment where my tenants in the back paid the mortgage. I had nice. no debt. And I remember writing, you know, how many thousands of dollars I made that week on my hand, you know, 7,000, 10,000. And I'd show it to my wife. I'm like, look, actually, we were engaged at the time we got married. <laughs> um, but it's a beautiful thing. But again, with that, I took it from just me to I can't handle all the come all the all the all the the growth i need to hire somebody i hired a guy named pete and i hired carrie and then marcia and a few other people and it got to the point again at one point where you know i was a media buyer i ran a company buying other people's time and actually i'm going to back up one really important thing to do and this i give credit to my wife for is is not burning bridges so when i left that company talk america there was a man there named uh, dan dan and mark two guys and i didn't really like mark all that much and dan could have run for president um <laughs> and because he's just so likable um, yeah but I, I left and, and, and I didn't burn the bridge with them. I certainly did with uh, the person who, I, who interviewed me in the sweatpants. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, out of the blue, maybe six, seven weeks into me starting my company. And I had, I had a client that 
paid me $3,000 a week, something like that, a month as a flat fee to buy his media, which kind of made me achieve my mm-hmm. financial goal. Um, but six weeks, eight weeks in, I get a call from uh, Mark, who had in previous times spent some time in prison for fraud and things of that nature. Oh, like, no. All right, I'll listen. My wife says, don't yeah. burn the bridge. Listen, they want to, they're opening up their own company and they want me to uh, buy their time. Absolutely. Okay. I'm here to help. I'm here to help. I'll do everything yeah. I can to make you successful. I'm here to help. Learned that lesson early on. And uh, we go to the recording studio because it was a radio spot ad. Okay. And uh, Dan's in the studio recording. And the opening line to the ad, and I still remember it to this day, is, how'd you like to look better naked? Now you can with Fat Assassin. <laughs> Dan was Dan was tipping the scales at like 375 pounds. This dude is oh, huge. Wow, big boy. I leave the studio. I've got the cassette tape and I pop it in my car and I listen to two ads on the way home and I think neither one of these are going to work. <laughs> That's a shame. All right, whatever. I'll do the test. I spend $8,000 for them. I bought four different stations roughly per ad and one of them did absolutely bomb. But within, uh, the other was a hit. And within three months, four months, I was spending about $100,000 a week oh. on radio time for those guys. Wow. Um, and it was just a huge success for a couple of years. Lots of different ads rotating in and out, testing different things. And um, I found my key role at that point was to make sure that um, the, the backer of them who paid for all the time um, stayed in good graces with Dan and Mark because Dan and Mark ran the call center and, and the, the backer was really the owner of the product name. And it, 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 my, my role was to manage their emotions and expectations. Mm-hmm. Of course, I had to buy a great time and invest their money and get a good return on investment, but I also had to keep the emotions and expectations in place. And it worked for a long time. Um, but from it, as soon as they went away, I, um, had a, I had a guy walk through my office and said, man, I hear you buy great time. I'm opening a call center. I've got, uh, this other person that, um, you know, that, uh, write some great copy. I think you should develop your own product and send the calls to me. I did. It worked. I made a ridiculous amount of money. We went radio. We produced a TV infomercial where my wife and I were the, the uh, spokespeople of the TV really? infomercial. Oh yeah, I need oh, yeah. to see I'm that a, clip. I'm a big star, Scott. Yeah, I gotta see uh, that clip. It's funny because we we spent the money on it and it worked very very well in the test. And then I thought, huh, I wonder if I should have this reviewed by an attorney for 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 claims and whatnot. Mm. And I go and I spend 10 grand on uh, this attorney in DC. He scared the hell out of me and I changed everything. And then the response and results went way down. Oh, really? So it worked. It was driving traffic and revenue. And then I edited it to the point where, yeah, it just, you could break even and I could break even doing nothing. So stuck to the radio, did a great job there. Still buying time. Did my second TV infomercial from my second product. Um, I promoted myself to my own level of incompetence with this one because I did radio. Yeah, I, this is the current theme 
consistent theme in my life. I did a, a radio campaign on a, just a colon cleansing product. Okay. Right. Um, I had tried one, used one uh, when I was 29 years old, drinking and eating way too much and partying at, uh, you know, Talk America in Portland, Maine, where there's more bars per capita than almost any other city <laughs> right. in the country. And we had a client and they were sending us these calls and everybody tries the products. We're all trying it. And I'm like, walking, walking around one day, I'm like, I feel healthier than I have a right to feel. And uh, it's got to be that product. If I ever leave this company, I'm going to market one of those products. It wasn't the first. It was the second. And um, I did nine months on radio. And it was going incredibly, incredibly well. I had hired a different call center. They were doing customer service for me and taking my inbound calls. And there were two brothers, uh, Jim and Frank. And um, Jim was my boss at the previous company. Oh, wow. And um, Frank was his little brother. And Frank was head of customer service and he yelled a lot. I don't really take well to people yelling at me. I just, whatever, <laughs> dude, I'm your client. I, I, if anybody's going to yell, it should be me. It should be you. And it, it got to the point where like, all right, listen, uh, I gave him a 30 day notice that I was going to take my, the customer service in-house. I was going to continue to send them my calls. And by taking customer service in-house, I had to have a staff and I had to bring on, you know, 10 people sitting there at all times taking my, so I had to, you know, take the expense of the telephone lines, the routing, the switch, whatever it's called now, or was then, um, and then staff. And you can't mm -hmm. have 10 full-time people there without having really 15 because there are a lot of part-time people. Sure. And I found at that point, I, uh, well, what, what Frank did was, uh, Frank and Jim, they got me and they said, they sent me a letter back, said, appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Without customer service, it doesn't make it profitable. We, we, we're, we're now giving you 30-day notice where we're not going to accept your calls oh, wow. anymore. Oh, wow. I was spending at that point probably 50000 a week of my own money on radio. Oh, my gosh. Very, very profitable. And uh, like a dumbass, I said, okay, fine. I didn't tell them. I just canceled all the media in one week. I said, these guys are just a call center. Mm, I can it's not that. rocket science. Any, any of the offshoots can do that. Yeah. Alex or uh, any of the guys. There were, there were three or four companies around town that had left that bigger one. I'm like, they can all do it. Turned out I was wrong, Scott. Really? I was wrong. Um, none of them could pull off the conversion, the close rate, the average ticket um, that uh, Jim and Frank could. And uh, so I failed. And my same ad copy, same radio stations, yet mm. the conversion rate goes from 23% down to seven. Average and ticket goes from- what was the cause in that, do you think? Was it the, the, the people on the phone? They're, they're calling yeah. people? Yeah. Okay. No matter how much I went in and trained, just like I did, educate, mm. train, 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 help, help, help with mm. Jim and Frank's group, the other people couldn't do it. Jim's group was just better. And so I said, all right, I got this. Right, we got both got kids. We hear them say that as teenagers. I got this. Yeah, I got that's this. What, that's what I did. I'll just flip the script. I'm going to do a free trial. We're gonna Good. we're gonna give this away for free. No longer it's a, is it a risk free trial when you. It's basically a 30 day refund if you don't like the product. It's a it's a free trial. We're gonna give you three. Uh, we're gonna give you a. It was a basically a a, a month supply for free okay. just for the cost of shipping. 
And uh, uh, if you don't cancel within three weeks, we're then going to send you a three-month supply at $160. Okay. Found a call center out in New York, get another offshoot from this company in Portland, Maine. And uh, I let them run with it. I was back up to $50,000 a week in spending and uh, running with it. And the conversion was great. It was a risk-free trial. I was doing a little better than breaking even. And then three weeks later, making a ton of dough. I mean, $160 ticket in this Mm. You know, a three month supply of this stuff was you know, $15. It's crazy. Mm. Um, and it was going great until the merchant provider reached out and said, dear Mr. Valley, <laughs> based upon your chargeback rate, we expect oh, that you will owe us $280,000. Holy. Therefore, we are not going to give you any of your money until you develop a reserve of $280,000. Wow. Wow. Talk about a heart stopping moment. Um, wow. And so I had a few options there, not many. Uh, turn the key, lock the door, walk away. Mm. Try to file for bankruptcy or walk away, which I probably couldn't have done because I think when you sign for merchant accounts, you sign for it personally. Mm-hmm. Um, fight every chargeback, which you can't really fight and win chargebacks. Wow. Sue the call center. We audited their, this is where I was being lazy and not a grown up. We audited their, once we get that letter, we started actually auditing the recording call, recorded calls. Mm. Something like with the sample we got, something like 40% of the time, they didn't read the script that they were required to read. And they said, yeah, no, it's free. If you, there's no additional charges, just charging your shipping here. You'll get the free sample. And if you decide you want to get more, let us know. Mm. that's not exactly what the script says, <laughs> you know, wow. it was very regimented. They, you know, had to tell the customer and had the customer had to agree that they were going to get charged three weeks later. Mm. So I could have sued them as well because I had mm. the recordings and they were putting me, you know, more than a quarter of a million in the hole. Wow. Um, but at the age of 54, I've never sued anyone and I've never been sued. I chose not to. And I, I thought about the customer that had been lied to every single one of them. And uh, I wanted to make sure they got their money back. And if I sued this company, I wouldn't necessarily make sure these customers got their money back. And so um, I fought to survive and negotiated a deal with a merchant company and I pre-funded chargebacks every week. We modified the script, they read the script properly and it worked. I just couldn't spend as much money because it didn't work as well on every media outlet that we bought time on. Mm-hmm. And and end result is it worked, we did it, we were successful, we paid back all of the money. It ended up being like $250,000. They were very accurate and very right. Wow. Um, but we we survived and eventually I got, sick of it. And in 2005, as you know, I took that a hundred percent online. Mm-hmm. Got tired of the staff because I was not good at managing the staff. Mm-hmm. I, I let everyone go, customer service, media buyers, everything except for my second employee, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Carrie, uh, I moved to my home office, worked from the basement. Carrie had a separate access. And from 2005 through 2010, she bought some media for me and I, I let that go. But I went 100% online. She started writing content for me. She was a terrible writer for my website. <laughs> I was a terrible writer, but we did what we could. I sat down with a, uh, uh, a web developer that told me, 
Now remember, this is a colon cleansing product. How much mm -hmm. content can you write about a colon right. cleansing product? Right. And he said, Joe, don't worry about it. You'll be able to write so much content. I'm like, what? He, 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 he was a de web developer for a website called Women to Women, T-O Women. Okay. It's for women in menopause. Amazing. Okay. Incredible. Just incredible content in their business mm -hmm. model for online. It's incredible. Um, I said, okay, we'll try it. And he was right. We focused on good quality content over a five-year period while at the same time spending money on Google ads. Mm -hmm. Instead of my quick fix and flip the script, give them a free trial and charge them three weeks later, which was very immature, especially when I didn't pay attention to it afterwards. Mm. We did this right. It was a slow, write good quality content and Google will eventually reward you. I learned how to do it and do it well with SEO. And uh, I took that business 100% online from just a colon cleansing product to really a digestive wellness center okay. from liver health to we had articles on probiotics. We had a nutritional uh, supplement vitamins that were all digestive health oriented. Everything from your mouth to your exit, there was an article written about it. Wow. Um, even the color of your stool, we had articles on. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, was, it was a great ride and I learned a ton about e-commerce. But again, as an entrepreneur, you can only do so much and you get bored, right? Mm -hmm. Shiny yes. object syndrome, you want to move on to the next adventure. Yeah. Yeah. And I woke up one day, I took it through the best of the economy and the worst, right? 2005 to 2010 through the Great Recession. And I came out tired. Mm. And I thought, gosh, I don't want to do this anymore. Poor me, I'm working you know, 20 hours a week living on a, a Lake Norman in Mooresville, Maine. And I can see my kids out the window in the pool with their friends. And I have an awful life. I need to sell this. Right? Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. Poor pitiful me. Um, and I looked online and I, it just, I decided to sell is what happened. Mm -hmm. um, there were no real educational tools at the time and many companies that could help me with at the time. Um, but I, I did reach out and I found three and two reached through the phone to get their hooks into me for a commission and I hated it. And mm -hmm. the third just offered to help and gave me some good advice. Mm -hmm. And the advice was, dude, your numbers are rising. You wait another six to nine months, you're going to make X amount more. I think mm -hmm. you should just wait. And I said to myself, who the hell is this guy telling me not to sell my business right? Tell me to wait. I love this guy. He's, yeah. he's looking out for me. And, uh, you know, that turns out to be my business partner now, Mark Dost. And we did it. We sold the company in the fall of 2010. I went back to media buying, started JVI Media up again, uh, realized 12 months later why I had stopped because mm -hmm. I, I, it, I just got tired of it. Sat mm -hmm. down with Christian. I said, I need to do something else. I need to, I need to buy something. I think I need to buy something. So, and she said, and, and, and I really enjoyed the process. So simultaneously between uh, looking to buy a business, I was also talking to Mark and Jason here at the time to join the team at Quiet And uh, I did both at the same time. I bought a business uh, March 1st, 2012. And uh, John Quiet Light at about the same time. With the business I bought, it was a content site that I thought I knew a lot about, but I really, all I knew how to do was write good quality content over time and be rewarded. But I didn't know how to analyze a content site for SEO rankings and things of that nature. And I thought it was pretty smart. And I said to myself, I got this. 
Uh, and so I bought it. I spent about uh, $280,000 on a content site that had six keywords. And I know this in hindsight on page one and 42 later, 42 days later, it got hit by the uh, penguin update. Yeah. I got, a, crazy. I, I got a call from my um, affiliate company giving me a heads up. Hey, just uh, thought you should know this, this Google, Google algorithm update happened. Who's your buddy in the background there? <laughs> That's Maisie. Hey, Maisie. She's our doodle. Amazing meet Dasher. Dasher's in the background there. (laughs) Daisy's poop is as big as my dog, probably. (laughs) Anyway, um, the uh, affiliate company gave me the warning, and I'm like, nah, no big deal. Uh, But within six months, all my keywords were off page one and nowhere to be found. And, um, you know, within that 12 months, that that, that $280,000 was gone. It was a great lesson for me. Um, I really should have had somebody help me regardless of how much you know yeah um having an outside person look at the business you're buying or or selling um uh, you know would have been great at the time what did you end up doing with that i don't think i know the story to that oh i just i I eventually just you know i looked at uh the ability to um I, I read every article on how to overcome the, the penguin update and they were all way too much work and way too much time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I really, I had decided it was the, 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 the business I bought was, it was called in Texas auto insurance.com. And my, my, my thought it was, so it was an auto insurance affiliate site just for the state of Texas. And my thought was, I'm going to do that same thing for every state in the country, very oh, niche down, yep, you know, yep good quality articles for every state in the country and the insurance companies are going to you know, pay me lots of money. Yeah. Um, I didn't have uh, the patience to, to do that after the fact I didn't, you know, just, I, 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 I wrote articles for the in Texas auto insurance. I hired content writers for the next year and it just didn't even come close to overcoming the penguin algorithm update penalties that I got and the punishment that it got. And so what was the, what was the, what was the penalties as far as like, was it negative backlinks? Was it, you Oh, know, it was the backlinks. Content? Yeah, it was backlinks. Yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, looking at what this guy did, I bought the company from a guy in, in Greece through, through a broker down in the Southeast uh, internet business broker down in the Southeast. And then the, the seller was some guy in Greece. And um, you know, at that time, all you had to do was you, know, you could pay companies with yes. lots of traffic for links mm-hmm. and, you know, and looking at the backlink profile that he, that was there, you know, it was from sites that had absolutely nothing to do with the state of Texas or auto, auto insurance. Right. It was, right. you know, sexually oriented sites, right. you know, you know yeah. pot smoking, drug smoke, yeah. whatever. It was just every poker, everything, yeah. but what it should right. have been. So, yeah. you know, Google eventually figured that out. But the lesson for me was if you cheat, mm-hmm. these guys are pretty smart. You're going to get mm-hmm. caught and you're going to lose. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I hear a theme there with uh, with two hundred eighty thousand and two hundred fifty. It's like a quarter million dollar like lesson for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. During that same time period, remember, I I, I bought Media a house. Media buy was like what? Chargebacks was like around two fifty, two seventy. Yeah, chargebacks was two fifty, two eighty. This was two eighty. And for take, I, you know, <laughs> I bought a house in the fall of in July of two thousand six in North Carolina, which is the absolute peak. Yeah, I lost. I lost somewhere in that range as well. So I lost. <laughs> Close to three quarters of a million dollars in ventures. <laughs> oh my gosh. Very painful. Uh, but with yeah. those lessons, you know, it comes experience and some knowledge and, you know, hopefully 
uh, that short-sightedness goes away. But so, no matter what, so we're going to continue to make mistakes. So you, you start talking to Mark about the, how does that turn into Joe Valley now partnering? Like, how does that transition into that? Well, just like when I was seven out there getting worms in the worm farm and hustling in college and working hard, doing two jobs in the first company that I launched and whatnot, I did the same thing here at Quiet Light. Uh, I, went, I went to a stale lead list where people had reached out for a listing uh, information and never listed to the business. I reached out to every one of them. I just worked really hard and I made myself invaluable. Mm -hmm. uh, my first full calendar year here, I closed 23 transactions. The average value back then was, you know, maybe $150,000. Mm -hmm. And then in 14, 15, 16, so on and so forth, I was 50, 60. At one point, I was 70% of all of Quiet Light's closed transactions. Mm -hmm. And I just loved it. I was mm -hmm. helping first mm -hmm. and foremost and loved it. And it was paying off. You know, I, I, I don't know if you've heard me say this stat, but conservatively, I've talked to over 5,000 online entrepreneurs about their business and looked at profit and loss statements and things of that nature. That's conservatively, mm -hmm. you know, over the last eight years. Mm -hmm. With that comes some, some experience and knowledge in terms of advice giving and and, and, and brand and reputation personally and professionally with Quiet Light. So it got to the point where I just, sat down with Mark and I said, the one thing that I'm missing here is equity. Mm -hmm. I've always had it. I've owned my own companies. I don't have that. Mm -hmm. Let's work that out. We worked it out. We inked it. And, uh, you know, we've grown something like 40% year over year mm -hmm. since then. And even with the pandemic, even though we had a bit of a pause in March and April, I still think we'll hit those numbers. Mm -hmm. And the crazy thing, Scott, is that, you know, back in 2013, the average ticket, the average transaction close was, uh, you know, around 150. With each year, it grows. And there was a time when we said, uh, you know, we, we had our, our competitor, FE International, that so many folks know about it as well. They had closed a uh, transaction for Drip, for Rob Walling, who's been on our, our podcast lots of times. You should have him on yours if you haven't already. It's a hell of a story. He is a great entrepreneur that has done so much more than me. Rob Walling, look it up, folks. Scott, you should have him on. But okay. uh, he okay. sold his business for 10 million bucks. Right. Uh, and he did it through FE. And we were like, we'd never want to do that. I don't ever want to be, you know, shirt and tie investment banker type folks, you know, having to fly all around the country doing $10 million deals. Well, some of the people that we work with coming back, they did a $125,000 site, then they've got a $500,000 one, then they've got a million dollar one and so on and so forth. Ramon, who we've talked about, his first site that he sold uh, was $7,000. The next one that he sold was 20,000. The next 220,000, the next 8.75 million. And we had those last two. And so no matter what, we're pulled and pushed in the direction of the M&A world. We're all getting certified now. We're closing a transaction next week, well, actually next month, right? So this is late September, 2020, we're recording, but it's a, it's a $20 million transaction. Wow. Um, we, we just keep getting you know, pushed and pulled in certain directions because of the people that we've helped and we worked with. Now, we always have this conversation about not promoting ourselves to our own level of incompetence. Sure. And we've got to be very careful about that. Mm -hmm. Even though someone may love us and want to work with us and we have a great relationship with them, mm -hmm. we may not be the best option. You and I have a good friend in common who I won't 
not certainly not going to say his name, but I'm pretty sure he's under LOI right now for a mid eight figure. Yeah, I guess it's eight, right? Mid eight figure transaction. And we probably could have pulled that off, but I think we might've been promoting ourselves to our own level of incompetence. So it's best that he's somewhere else. So we've learned through our own personal experiences as mm. entrepreneurs first and foremost mm. and all of our successes and count them my $750,001 failures <laughs> um, what not to do and through the different people where we've got you know our doctorate in not we're not actually I was gonna say we're not online marketers but everybody is I mean Amanda mm. was on the cover of Time magazine for her you know uh, pearl business importing business Jason was a super affiliate. Everybody's got experience. Chuck, who you know, dude was making 80 grand a month in college online, <laughs> you know? Um, but we're more, uh, you have the expertise where you're living it every single day on, mm -hmm. on, on building a brand. Yep. We're helping those people now understand the value mm. of that brand through our own personal entrepreneurial experiences. And now the eight thousand people that I've talked to and the, you know, the, the tens of millions, hundreds of millions actually in transactions that we've closed over the last 14 years. Somebody quoted a, that we've closed a billion dollars in transactions and that's a stretch folks. Mm. I personally am tracking towards a hundred million and that number sounded impossible to me a few years ago. The reality is that it's going to sound small in a couple of years. Mm. Brad's got one that's just under 25 million that nice. uh, he's working on an LOI. So my 100 million in total transactions close is going to sound sad and pitiful in, in, in a short period of time. But we all grow with our uh, experiences with age and with our mistakes. You can't, as I tell my kids, um, you can't live life safely. You have to take risks and you have to not be afraid of failure. And just go out there and hustle and work hard, try it. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. You learned a ton and you can move on to the next one. The same goes for the entrepreneurs that are building an online business. Just be careful not to risk everything, right? Because yeah. um, you may not get the opportunity to do it a second time. Well, yeah. And I, I think I want to highlight that real quick is like everything that you just said, it's like the businesses that you're currently helping is really, there's they're, they're they're building something, learning, and then they're taking that experience to another thing and then building and growing and then potentially selling again. And that could be their model, right? They, it's like they buy a fixer upper and they fix it up for a couple of years and then they go ahead and they resell it. Yeah. It's the same idea. If it's got good bones, but you can see that, hey, with a little bit of remodeling or a little bit of like love in these certain areas, we can bring that to another level. And then in a year and a half, two years, we can, we can multiply that. Um, but in the same breath, uh, you know, we're talking all these big numbers and everything, but to some people, they, they're not after that, right? They're, they're after just building a sustainable business skills, whatever that provides a living so they can watch their kids play soccer or, you know, baseball or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and I know myself personally, like even to think of like, you said, yeah, like a thousand employees or whatever, like, or I, I mean, even we know a mutual friend, uh, uh, Greg Mercer has built, you know, Jungle Scout to over sure. 130, 150 employees. Like, it's like, I never want that. Like, I don't want that lifestyle just because I don't want that many employees. Um, it just stresses me out to even think about that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't build a nice, you know, a nice size business that 
produces enough income for your family, enough to invest, but also, you know, who knows, maybe you trade up, you know what I mean? Like you buy something now, you sell it, and then you build something or you buy something that's already now fast tracked you to what it took you to get there two, three years. Yeah. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with building that business that's sustainable and focusing on it. Ewan Finsner, uh, I don't know if you know Ewan or not. That's what he does. He buys content sites and he wants to become, you know, uh, the Berkshire Hathaway of content sites, buys them and is building a portfolio of them and just focusing on building value and mm. recurring, you know, somewhat recurring revenue of it. The sad fact is, Scott, that life's going to pass us all by very quickly. You and I got more gray on our heads than when we first <laughs> met. Yes, true. <laughs> it's funny. The shorter we cut it, the grayer it looks. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, thanks to Chris Schaefer. I did get my hair cut, Chris. I got it yeah. cut. Thank you very much, my You're friend. You're commenting on how which, uh-huh. we just wish we had that hair. <laughs> well, I, got it cut. <laughs> I had to get it cut. I, I, should, I wouldn't look as old if I just shaved this gray chin of mine. But, you know, the, the, the importance of a sustainable business and a lifestyle business when you've got kids and families critically important. We both have kids that are grown and flown, so to speak. You're a grandfather now. Mine, uh, I've got one as a freshman in college. He's at the Walnut Street campus upstairs now because NC State's not in session. Uh, Mm -hmm. And another is going to be there before you know it. And uh, I'd rather spend my time with them while they're around Mm -hmm. than working 60, 70 hours a week in a business. So if you've got a content or a brand that's out there that it's sustainable and you love what you do by all means mm. keep at it enjoy that life enjoy the business someday you're going to have to pass it on so yep. eventually you know mm. prep it for your kids or your somebody you know yeah. uh, if you're not going to live forever so yeah so let's let's wrap this up with uh number one where is where's joe valley uh, in the next five years, you even going to be able to, to kind of say like, where do you, where do you see yourself? I mean, I know quiet light and all of that stuff. I mean, you just, you're in the process of writing a book, which we'll probably have you back on once it's published and we can talk about it, but where, where are you, you know, like where, where are you going? It's a good question. You know, um, uh, mutual friend of uh, of uh, Chuck's and a, a guy named Mike Nunez said, said it very well. And I'm just going to say what Mike said and paraphrase. Paraphrase. There was a time when um, uh, all I wanted to do was work and make as much money as possible. Make as much money as possible. Work, work, work. Now I want to continue to make money, but I want to work as little as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so I know. I'm trying I know. to frame up my life so that I can, you know, still help as many people as possible, but without the daily grind, mm-hmm. like literally my calendar every Friday is blocked. No one's allowed on my calendar mm-hmm. yet. I still let people sneak in. It still gets in there, but trying to control mm-hmm. my time in my life so that um, I'm still helping as many people as possible, which is, I keep saying that, but the model for me is help as many people as possible. And in turn, I'm being helped grow my own business and brand and reputation. I don't know what is beyond quiet light. I enjoy what I do and maybe I'll just continue to do what I do, but eventually transition into a brand ambassador or something or other. I don't know what, you know, the Exitpreneur's playbook will bring. Mm. You know, it might just be a manual for those that want to understand. And and that's Mm. all it is. It, It may put me in a different position as a, best-selling author. I don't know exactly, but Mm. it's controlling that time and that grind more than anything else that I'm trying to do. And 
move towards in the next five years. So if anybody has any wisdom to share with me, please <laughs> find me and tell me how you did it, what you do, or who to talk to, because I need the help and <laughs> guidance yeah. there. Well, hey, Joe, man, thank you so much. That, I mean, it was great. I could sit here and listen to stories all day long. I just, I love it too that you know, like all of these guys' names, like you're like, you know, like the last name of your, your next door neighbor and like, you know, all of the, all of the, and I can almost like visually see them, even though I can't, like I've got a 340 pound man that I heard is, wait, was it Chuck? No, it wasn't. It was That's Dan. Was, that was Dan. Yeah. Right. He could run for president again. He'd probably win today, but yes. Yeah. 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 So uh, I just, I, you know, I think it, if we go back even to just like to kind of sum it all up, like even back in the day when you were, you know, doing the, the night crawlers and, and selling them, it's, it's, you know, learning and then adapting to the next venture and then adapting to the next venture and then learning and then having a $250,000 lesson and then coming back and, and trying to learn from everything. And, and you're, you're not done learning, right? It's like we have things to learn as we grow. And I think that's what we're all doing as we, as we move on in life, right? It's yeah. like we all have room to, to, to grow and learn. So again, man, I want to thank you for taking time out of your, out of your day and, and hanging out with us and definitely let us know when the, when the book is out, I think it's going to be like, probably like spring, I think is what you said, possibly yeah. spring 2021, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get you back on, keep up with you, but uh, where can people uh, find out more about Joe, quiet light, all that stuff. If I'm a, LinkedIn, of course, uh, Joe Valley, um, but quietlightbrokerage.com. I'm there. Um, YouTube, the same thing. We've got lots of uh, content, articles, videos, uh, and quietlightbrokerage.com. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Joe. This has been great. Thanks again, man. I appreciate you. And uh, one of these days, we're going to have to have lunch in person when we get out of this pandemic crazy thing. Someday soon, I hope. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. All right, all right man. All right. Well, there you have it. I wasn't kidding. I could sit there all day. And, uh, and talk to Joe. Joe reminds me of, you know, a guy that I would sit down with and he would just tell me story after story after story. And I, it would just never get old. I just, he's got so much detail on his stories and, uh, he's just a really great guy to, to hang around with, but just to, to kind of listen to, he's got a lot of wisdom too. He's done a lot of things in his day, as you heard. And one of the things that really stood out to me that he kept saying over and over and over is do not do not get yourself in a place where you're not good at that task. Like don't set yourself up to grow into a position that you're incompetent, right? Like that you're just not set out for that. You don't have to be. There's people that can do that for you. But every time he said that he's seen a business either grow and scale, it's when then they would take that person or maybe try to try to graduate that person into a position that it wasn't their type of position that they should have been in in the first place. So again, just a great conversation with Joe. Love Joe. He's a great guy. And uh, this was not like him to come on and talk about Quiet Light. Although if you are interested in either buying or selling your website or brand, definitely check out Quiet Light. Great people over there. I can't say enough good things about those guys because they really do they, they really do try to build relationships way before they would ever want to do business with anyone because they want to build that know, like, and trust. And that's really what I'm all about as well. That's why we get along so well. So guys, that's it for this episode. Again, next week, we'll have another featured guest. I've got some really great guests coming up. I can't wait to share them with you. And uh, it's going to be really, really exciting here moving forward into 
the fourth quarter. All right, guys. So that's it. That's going to wrap it up. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you and I am rooting for you, but you have to, you have to come on, say it with me, say it loud, say it proud, say it wherever you are right now. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day. And I'll see you right back here on the next episode. Now let's rock your brand.